We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Wednesday, May the 17th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. On May 17, 1954, a unanimous U.S. Supreme Court handed down its Brown versus Board of Education of Topeka decision, famous decision. It's been studied and talked about ever since. It held that racially segregated public schools were inherently unequal. Therefore, unconstitutional. Today in 1536, Archbishop of Canterbury, Thomas Cranmer, he declared the marriage of England's King Henry VIII to Anne Boleyn invalid. She had failed to produce a male heir. Boleyn had already had been condemned for high treason. She was executed two days later. Today in 1973, a special committee convened by the U.S. Senate. It began its televised hearings into the Watergate scandal. Today in 2004, Massachusetts became the first state to allow same-sex marriages. Today in 2017, the Justice Department appointed former FBI Director Robert Mueller as a special counsel to oversee a federal investigation into potential coordination between Russia and the 2016 Donald Trump campaign. It's interesting how all that played out, isn't it? After tens of millions of dollars being spent, taxpayer dollars being spent by some in our government to try to destroy a political opponent, we've now come to this. It started way back in 2016. And now this week we learned... It was all a hoax. Trump was right. He knew he hadn't done that. He called it a hoax. It is. Both the far left New York Times and the Washington Post refuse now to return the Pulitzers that they were given Pulitzer Prize for spreading the lie that former President Trump colluded with Russia to win the 2016 presidential election. They wrote those stories. We talked about it here on this program. They wrote those stories day in and day out from every angle conceivable to lead the American public to believe that Trump was connected at the hip with Russia. Now they're being asked to return, both the New York Times and Washington Post, asking to return their Pulitzers. They're not too interested in that. Someone asked in a news story I read early this morning, he said, would Hitler have returned a fake Pulitzer? Well, now that Monday release of the Durham report has debunked every facet of the Russian collusion allegation and proved that the whole thing was politically motivated, it was a smear campaign. It was invented by Hillary Clinton. It was blessed by Barack Obama, and it was furthered by the FBI. That's pretty clear now. 
there have been numerous calls for these left-wing outlets to turn in their Pulitzer Prizes, but oh no. Why would someone be rewarded for spreading a hoax? Normal people say, well, I think these corporate news outlets knew all along it was a hoax. I'm one of those ordinary people, normal people out here that would say that. I think they knew. I really do. Of course they did. We all know they knew. The corporate media knew it was being lied to by the FBI, but they wanted to be lied to by the FBI. In other words, the media's goal had nothing to do with the truth and everything to do with coordinating a coup for the FBI against a legally elected American president. The Daily Mail asked both the New York Times and Washington Post if they intended to return those fake Pulitzers uh, this week. The Times didn't even respond. The financially failing Washington Post, Jeff Bezos' little project, the Post says responded and they said, no, they stand by their reporting. Well, nobody is standing by, by their reporting. This Durham report debunks every part of the fact that Trump was hooked up with Russia. I think, of course, some of us care about the Trump family and about Trump himself. We think he was a good president and did more for the country than some of the other people who may not be as bombastic and rough as he is. But good grief. They won't let it go. Of course, the Post <clears throat> stands by its lies, <clears throat> like the New York Times and CNN. The lies were the point. Why would the Post or the Times return a fake Pulitzer for lying? Why would CNN retract its lies when the point of the lies stands? Work with the FBI to formulate a coup against a setting president. Because you hate him that much regardless of who he is. In this case, it's Trump. Retractions and returning fake Pulitzers are acts of contrition, an acknowledgement that you, you did something wrong, and they can't do that because they don't do anything wrong, because they embrace the whole idea of relativism. It's a worldview that stands in absolute opposition to a biblical worldview. Whether it has to do with Trump or, or Abraham Lincoln or George Washington, it doesn't matter. Their whole worldview is that they cannot do anything wrong because if it takes lying and cheating and stealing and misleading people and taking advantage of people to get to their end, their goal, their vision, it is all justified. It isn't a lie. It's a virtuous act. It's doing what you have to do. The end always justifies the means with the so-called progressive. I try not to use that word much, but they call it that. I don't. It's regressive. But the left, the leftist ideology says you, you have your dreams and your goals to remake America or whatever it is. And anything you do falls into the column of virtue if it moves you toward your ultimate vision of socialism or whatever, cultural Marxism, and so on. 
that's where we are today, and that's what we're seeing manifest. And that in that non-response on the part of the New York Times and the we, st- we stand by our reporting response from the Washington Post <clears throat> is evidence of that. So we live in a day of relativism. There is no fixed truth. There's nothing you can stand on that's going to stand through the storms and through the attacks and through the barrage of misinformation. But there is one thing, that is the word of Almighty God. I want to read a verse to you this morning from the Bible that many of you have probably memorized. I have. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Psalm 32 says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. That has always been true. It is the infallible word of God. But never more true than today and never more needed than today. We live in an absolute upside-down world that is so confusing, it is so misleading that many, many are intentionally being misled today. The news media, the nuances of what is said on television, entertainment, the ads that you see on television, commercials, all of them have an agenda that's different than the product they're, uh, they're promoting or the whatever they're promoting. We're seeing this more and more and more. The ads are being used to advance a secular, a damnable agenda on the good people of this country. And there are a lot of good people in this country. Nashville is in the news again this morning. I got to mention this to you. I want to talk to you a little bit about Veterans Today as well. No, not Veterans Day, but Veterans Today and what's happening to them because of this far leftist cultural Marxism that's infected our country. I'll come back to that in a moment, but a group of attorneys dealing with the aftermath of the tragic school shooting in the coveted school in Nashville, Tennessee. I mentioned this earlier this week. Well, they're talking about it yesterday afternoon. They've handed over an unredacted copy of the killer's manifesto for a judge to review following those multiple lawsuits and so on that they, people have been suing the Nashville police trying to get them to release this manifesto. They're, they have kept it in hiding because someone there, I'm not saying all the police in Nashville, um, feel this way. I I don't know that they do. I would suspect they don't. But some in authority do. And they're keeping this killer's manifesto um, out of sight. And people have started suing them, wanting them to make it public. The public has a right to know. And I, I mentioned that earlier this week. Well, two different versions of the manifesto written by this male identifying woman who formerly attended the Christian school, the transgender, who did the shooting, they were turned over to the Davidson County Chancellor's Chambers for assessment 
yesterday, according to WZTV, a local that's a local TV station, Newsmax reported Newsmax reported that the shooter murdered three nine-year-olds, three uh, school staff before being subdued to the, the authorities that were responding to it. They said a search conducted by the police officers turned up five laptops, a suicide note, two memoirs, five Covenant School yearbooks, and seven cell phones. That was according to the warrant. Last month, the Nashville Police Department said the manifesto would ultimately be made available to the public, but then later announced on May the 3rd that it was holding off on releasing details surrounding the event due to, quote, pending litigation filed this week. Well, I don't know about pending litigation filed this week. I think that's the excuse they were looking for. They're not wanting to put it out there because they know that this transgender person went in and purposefully killed Christians, children, and adults. They know that. And they don't want to say it out loud. They don't want to put it out here because they fear that it will not advance the LGBTQ plus blah, blah, blah agenda. And they know it won't. And it will cause people to take a second look because people are already taking a second look and they're saying, wait a minute. I thought I was being tolerant of people who were born gay or homosexual or whatever. And people are beginning to say uninformed people, maybe non-religious people. They're beginning to say, I don't support this. And the tide is turning on this whole movement because it's unnatural, it's perverted. And it's destroying little kids. And I can't tell you how outraged that makes me. I have little kids in my family, and probably so do you. Whether they're your firstborn or your grandchildren or great-grandchildren, whatever, these people have focused on these kids, and they're mutilating their bodies after they convince them that they may not be what they really think they are as far as their gender is concerned. This is a... This is one of the lowest points in America, as far as I'm concerned, because of the moral implication, and yet it has become mutilating these kids' bodies, doing surgeries on these little kids. Is a more than $2 billion industry now. They can make more money doing that than they can filling teeth and cleaning your teeth. They want to mutilate the bodies. There are people among us who want to do that to make the money. And there are people among us who want to do that to advance the agenda. And the good people stand back and say, I don't believe this. Well, the good people are starting to not only say, I don't believe this, but they're starting to take action. So they've been filing these lawsuits. Last month, the the police promised they would release. They didn't. They changed their mind. And their mind was changed by probably outside forces, maybe within the, the department. I don't know. But these sentiments are seemingly shared by Clay Davis. He puts he does a has a blog. He has a website. It's called Outkick. He wrote. I noticed this morning or yesterday afternoon. He wrote a blog on it. I glanced at it briefly. He said, "If a right wing Trump supporter had been the shooter, it would have been released within 48 hours." And you know it. That's true. It would have been. If it were an LGBTQ school, and some. Christian would have walked in there and done that. Christians, true Christians, wouldn't do that. It would have been all over the news. But oh no. They don't want this manifesto out there because it shows the true spirit of this movement. 
Uh, these kids need help and they need love and they need someone to take a stand for them against these barbaric people who are destroying their bodies and their lives for money or for an agenda. I just thought you should know that. If you don't agree with me, just forget what I said. On second thought, no, consider it. Don't forget what I said. I have very strong feelings about that, and I will continue to have strong feelings about it because it is so abusive of children, and it is so contrary to biblical Christianity, the religion, the belief that this nation was founded upon. You tell me. How did we get to this point? We got to this point by good people remaining silent and not taking a stand. But this is bringing some people out to the forefront. And there's some people pretty upset about this whole mess that we have created. And our president, the president of the United States, is the cheerleader for these people. God forbid... Abraham Lincoln said the brave men living and dead who struggled here have consecrated it, standing at Gettysburg. He said far above our poor power to add or detract, talking about his little speech that he said no one would remember. We all remember. Many of us can quote it. He said the world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here, talking about our veterans. With that as a backdrop, and we know we know how much has been given by so many people in our nation, Winston Churchill, in fact, said, never was so much owed by so many to so few. Those who serve in our armed forces deserve our support. They're laying it all on the line, regardless of what their assignments are. And yet when I read that hotels are booting homeless veterans out on the street to make room for illegal migrants, that should cause concern. Upstate New York hotels begin kicking homeless veterans from their uh, properties to make room for migrants being bussed into the region from New York City. New York City can't handle them. They pride themselves. They said just this week, the mayor said, the mayor who claims to be a devout Christian, he's not acting like one. He's doing things that are contrary to the word of God. If he is a devout Christian, he needs to spend some time in prayer. He's not acting like or doing what Christians do in leadership, in a powerful position. Homeless veterans, many of them are Vietnam-era veterans. They were receiving some temporary shelter, at least in the hotels, through the efforts of a nonprofit agency, not the government who, who soaks up millions and billions of dollars for this. Oh, no, it was a nonprofit agency that was helping them. But the so-called progressive ideology is, and its relativism are destroying our country. And they're putting veterans out on the street to accommodate illegal migrants. Nearly two dozen homeless veterans have been booted from the upstate hotels to make room for the migrants that New York City, itself a self-confessed city of, of refuge, 
that they don't want anymore. They say, oh, no, we can't handle it now. We want to we, we want to be a safe space for illegal aliens, but we don't want any illegal aliens. We just want to be that. We don't want to do that. One of the hotels told a 24-year-old Afghanistan war veteran in desperate need of help that their temporary housing was being pulled out from under them at the beginning of the week, this week. They would have to move elsewhere. Well, they didn't have an elsewhere. Our veterans have been placed in another hotel due to what's going on with the immigrants. This Sharon Tony uh, Finch, she's the CEO of an Israeli, she, uh, Yerk, it's called, Y-E-R-I-K. I wasn't familiar with this. But anyway, she, it's a foundation and quite a few people apparently in, in the East and in the, the uh, New York area, they know about it. They know her. But Tony Finch is a disabled military veteran, created this organization to raise awareness of premature births, help the homeless and low-income family, military service families, in need of living assistance. Nearly two dozen struggling homeless veterans have been booted out of their hotels. They're sitting on the street. They don't have anywhere to go. They need help. They deserve help. They stood up for America. But America is too busy tearing down the borders and violating the sovereignty of this nation. Tony Finch said 15 of the veterans got the heave-ho from the Crossroads Hotel in Newburgh, about 60 miles north of New York City in Orange County, New York. A new epicenter of Big Apple's migrant crisis since Mayor Eric Adams began bussing Gotham's overflow into these outlying areas. Even New York Democrat Congressman Pat Ryan, he's the 15th or 18th district, congressional district. He covers the northern suburbs and the exurbs of New York City. He took to social media to condemn the incompetence of city officials in displacing the homeless veterans. I think it's more than incompetence. I think that is a part of it. But I think there's more than just incompetence. I think there's, there's, there's an agenda at work here, at least among some. Tony Finch said the hotel made the move to expel the veterans based on money. She said they get paid more for the migrants. That's so unfair, she said, because at the end of the day, she said, we're a small nonprofit and we do pay $88 a day for a veteran to live in the hotel until they can get squared around and get a job and whatever they need. This whole thing, though, is shining, shining the light on the abuse of our veterans. A lot of them are Vietnam veterans. She said, we do help them on a consistent basis to get them benefits and help them find a place in society. They're trying to acclimate them back in and help transition them back into society. The state assemblyman, Brian Mayer, he's a Republican. He helps represent the Orange County area. He said, shining a light on this is important because we need to make sure these hotels know how important it is to respect the service of our veterans before they kick them out of the hotels to make room for the illegal migrants. They really ought to think about the impact on these people, already going through a traumatic time. Whether you agree with asylum seekers being here or not, he said, we can't just ignore these veterans that are in our charge that we're supposed to protect. We need to put them first, he said. 
But I don't know. I've looked at this pretty closely, and it looks to me like it all comes down to the money, and then there is the side issue, the sidebar issue of it all, to where they have, there is an agenda. And there is more of a desire to help the illegal migrants assimilate into this country than there is to help our veterans. It is stunning. It's heartbreaking. While it's unclear what the city is paying upstate, various reported deals between the Big Apple and Manhattan hotels, it looks like the payments are around $190 to $250 a night that the government is paying. That's an estimated $4.3 billion in taxpayers through the spring of 2024. $4.3 billion to accommodate illegal migrants. So somebody would ask, Randall, where's your compassion? I thought you were a pastor. I thought you were an ordained minister. I am. I've spent my whole life in ministry. We have helped the poor. We have helped the down and out, regardless of their religion, whatever. Anyone who knows me knows that we have. I've spent time in the countries, in the third world countries of this world, preaching the gospel, helping them build churches. We've brought in people from America to go to these far, dark, sometimes demonic corners of the earth and start churches, build, literally build a building for the believers to be in. We've distributed food. We've done all this. This isn't about me, but to those of you who would ask, I'm just saying we are called of God to help the poor. But we're not called of God to give away a country that God has blessed and God has purposefully caused to prosper and to be a nation of goodness. And we still are. But that is being undermined as we speak. We need to get clear on what God has called us to do and what he has not called us to do. We invent what we think is compassion and then we define it and then our actions go out in accordance with what we define as compassion. We need to figure it out and get right with what God defines as compassion. And sometimes handing out needles and tents to people living on the sidewalk is not God's version of compassion. It's enablement. And sometimes tearing down the borders of a sovereign nation isn't God's way. In fact, it is never God's way. The Bible clearly teaches the sovereignty of nations. That is God's way. That's pretty extensive in the Old Testament, and it's discussed in the New Testament, in fact, in the book of Acts. So we need to figure it out, and we need to, we need to get a clear vision of where we are with the Lord and with God's word. This whole thing about kicking veterans out on the street because you can get a couple of more bucks by putting illegal aliens in there, illegal migrants in there. When I hear that, Judas comes to my mind. I would say to any of you veterans who are listening today, and I know some of you do because I've heard from you, thank you for your service. What's going on in New York does not represent the feelings about you of most Americans. We appreciate you, we honor you, and we thank you for what you've done. Douglas MacArthur said this soldier above all others, pray for peace, but it is the soldier who must suffer and bear the deepest wounds 
and scars of war. We understand. Thank you. Thank you for being with me today. Thank you for your support. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009.